Okay, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians again today. Uh, we're doing this as, a, as part of our emphasis this year on becoming a church after God's heart. How do you become a church after God's heart? One person at a time. David was a man after God's heart. We know that about David. But he became something less. How did it happen? It all started in his heart. How does a church become something less than a church after God's heart? It all starts in the heart of one person. One person's heart gets out of tune with Jesus and then another church, another person in the church is out of tune with Jesus and before long those two people are out of tune with each other and the whole church is in discord. So today we're going to talk about harmony out of discord, remembering that only Jesus can bring harmony out of discord. You will see that in the church at Corinth, God loved that church so much, although it was broken, that he prompted Paul to write a letter so that they would bring their hearts back in tune with the Lord Jesus Christ. They had gone so far as to call Alexander Shannara. Have you ever heard of a commercial about Alexander? They had called Alexander Shannara. They were going, they were having lawsuits against one another, and uh, there was problems in that church. Call me, Alabama. So they responded to one of those commercials. They said, you know, I'm mad at brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, so I'm going to call Alexander Shinar, and we're going to get him to settle this thing. That's how bad it had gotten in the church at Corinth, this church that God loved, this church that God wanted to be walk in tune and in fellowship with him. So we look at these verses from chapter 6, beginning to read in verse 1, and Paul says, does any one of you... When he has a case against his neighbor, and he's not talking about the person that lives next door to you. He's talking about the person who sits on the pew beside you. Go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints. Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you know that we will judge angels? How much more matters of this life? So if you have law courts... Dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who are of no account in the church? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not one among you, one wise man, who will be able to decide between his brethren? But brother goes to law with brother and, the, and that before unbelievers. Actually then, it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? On the contrary, you yourselves wrong and defraud. You even do this to your brethren. You know, one of the problems in the church at Corinth is the same problem that we have in our own churches from time to time is that we forget who we were before we came to Christ. Sometimes we forget who we were yesterday or the day before or last night when we weren't walking the way we ought to walk or living the way we ought to live, and yet we received the forgiveness of Christ. So in the very next verses, Paul reminds them of who they were. I have shared these verses with you before. Now we come to these very verses. And he does so in the spirit of love and mercy. And he does so saying to these people that you know what you were, this is what you were, and this is where Christ brought you from. The potential remains that Christ can redeem people from all walks of life 
in all circumstances. Look at what he says. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, and that word means sexual immorality of any kind, neither fornicators, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. None of those people are going to heaven. Paul says, you know that. And he said, some of you were just like that. That was you. You were on that list. Look, it's in the Bible. It says it right here. Such some of you were, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Make no mistake, the Bible is very clear, very clear about standards of living, about morality and immorality, about who can go to heaven and who cannot. But the Bible is also clear that a person in any spiritual condition, in any state of sin, has the possibility of being redeemed. And Christ wants nothing more than to redeem that person. That is who they were. He reminded them of the miracle that Christ had worked in their life. And so the big question that needs to be asked in every church is not as we look across the way at the people sitting on the other pew or people sitting on the other side of the church or people sitting on the other side of whatever opinion we have about anything. It's not about them. It's about me. The first question that needs to be asked is, is my heart in tune with Jesus? We often fixate on the other person's brokenness. We whisper about them and their problem and their sin. But the very first place I need to look is at my own heart. When I'm in conflict with anybody else, and I need to think about the fact that what if my Lord should gaze at me apart from the love and mercy and grace that he's given me? And he would judge me. He would strike me down, and he would do that to any of us. I always need to remember who I was before I met Christ and where I would be should he remove his grace and mercy from, from me. So if you're going to put anybody's life under a microscope, I want to remind you, then the life you need to look at is your own so that you will see that the heart that needs tuning is yours. In Corinth, they were not only pointing fingers of blame, they were airing their dirty laundry before a watching world. They took their disputes to pagan courts. And so when there's discord in the church, Paul is reminding them that only Jesus can bring harmony out of discord. That's the main point that we need to make. When I was growing up, I was told what goes on in this house is nobody's business. Family business is family business. If we were saving money for a special project at our house, I never told. If there was some family problem or some family argument, I never told. We never hung our dirty laundry out in public because when you do that, bringing in outsiders into your family business only intensifies the conflict. Now, that wasn't always the case. I'm not saying it wasn't always the case that it didn't intensify the conflict. I'm saying that it wasn't always the case that I never told because there was one occasion When my mother was cleaning the house, we lived in a four-room house, cotton mill house, little box house with, there was a living room here and a bedroom here and a kitchen here and a bedroom here. And just before I came along, they had a bathroom added, which was nice to have a bathroom in the house. And uh, 
You remember when Tennessee Ernie Ford visited uh, Lucy when he came to see her in that uppity house that she lived in, and he asked her where the where the where the bathroom was, and then she t- she told him, and he said, "You mean it's in the house?" So there was a time, folks, when it was good to have a bathroom in the house, and uh, not everybody's always was, but we were lucky to have one in our house, and. But my mother and daddy later remodeled that house, and it's a nice brick home now, and you wouldn't know, it, you wouldn't know that in the middle of it there's a, an old cotton mill house uh, right in the middle. But in that little cotton mill house that we lived in, uh, my mother had a, an orange rug on the floor. Our front yard didn't have a blade of grass in it when I was growing up. We had a big oak tree in front, and it was just sandy South Mississippi soil. White sand was all that was in our front yard, and, and my little bare feet went up and down the steps and in and out of that house, slamming that screen door. And uh, so a lot of dirt uh, got on that rug, and it sifted through. My mother, uh, in in the early years of her marriage and and my life, was a home economics teacher, so everything in our house had to be just so. And on this particular day, my mother decided to clean the house, and so she rolled up that rug, and then under that rug was all that sand that had sifted down through it, and when she had it swept up in a nice big pile, Miss Stella, I ran outside and got all the neighborhood boys. And I brought them in and I said, I want you to see this big pile of dirt in the middle of our floor. I want to tell you, my mother was not happy with me when I did that. If I had been a good boy and I had cared about my mother and, and her feelings, I would have said, Mama, I, I'm sorry that my little feet brought in all this dirt under the floor. And you know what's, what sometimes is the issue is we have dirt on somebody else. And we're tempted to pull up the rug and say, let me show you what I found on this person. Look at the dirt under the rug of this person's life. Well, when Jesus died on the cross, you need to remember that he died for the dirt under the rug of your life. And all of us have some, don't we? But he also died for the dirt under the rug of somebody else's life. And we don't put that dirt on display before a watching world. Because if you did so, it would hurt the other person, wouldn't it? But you also need to know, like I hurt my mom when I brought those neighborhood boys in, that you also hurt Jesus, who died for the dirt under the rug of their life. Jesus said, when you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Not too many years ago, I was talking with my mom about that dirt under the rug incident, and she said, you know, I didn't really mind the dirt being under the rug. What bothered, what bothered me is that you showed it to everybody. Well, my mom didn't quite mean that the way it sounded, but it reminds me of really the way we feel about our own lives sometimes. We know there's dirt under the rug. We have some dirt under the rug, and it doesn't bother us at all. We're not the least bit concerned about the dirt under the rug. You know, when there's dirt under a rug and you've got a hardwood floor, you've got a, you got a damaged hardwood floor if you don't get that dirt out because it'll just eat that floor up. And the dirt under the rug of your life is also doing damage. And what you need to do is you need to say, Lord Jesus, I need you to clean the dirt out from under the rug of my life. And so before you look at anybody else's life, you need to say, Lord, I need some things cleaned up in my life. Would you please help me? And if you find on occasion there's some dirt under the rug in your brother's life, or he has put dirt under the rug of your life by something he or she said to you, then Jesus said, here's what you do. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between 
the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. Did you hear Jesus say, get the dirt out from under the rug? You can't do that. Because that's only something Jesus can do. And Jesus said, you need to get it out in this way. You need to go to that person. You need to talk to them. Don't wait a week or a month or a year. Go. The two of you sit down together. Look at the matter. If you're going to take that problem between you and anyone else to anybody, take it to that person. I am not to deal with it beyond the confines of my own heart until I have taken the matter up with that person. Deal with it within the family and within the spirit of Christ. And don't point fingers and don't pull up the rug and show it to somebody else. Paul knew that that was the possibility in the case between two brothers, that they could make things worse and cause more discord in the church, or they could give that matter to Christ and allow him to deal with it. And one of the things you need to remember is that in your own life, until you deal with the dirt under the rug of your life, your own heart will be out of tune with Jesus. Now, when a piano tuner tunes a piano, he doesn't tune the whole thing at once. I suppose you know that. He starts with one string. And which string do you suppose that Jesus would start with in this church if he wanted to tune the collective heart of this church to Christ? Well, uh, I need to consider the fact that he would start with my life. And you need to consider the fact that he would start with your life. Do you not think it would be the desire, the passion of our Lord's heart that we would walk in harmony with him? One of the key phrases in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians that we looked at in chapter 1 was Paul told this congregation, he said, you have been called into fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is an astounding statement. You have been called into fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is your calling as a, as a person, as a follower of Christ, to walk in fellowship with Him. You cannot walk in fellowship with Him if you're walking out of fellowship with anybody else. You have to allow Jesus to deal with your heart, to tune your heart to Christ. When G. Campbell Morgan was growing up, he grew up Scottish, grew up in Scotland, and uh, I suppose that, and G. Campbell Morgan has long been dead, by the way, so he's much older than any of us. This is from past history, a great preacher of the past. But even in those days, there were those moments that in the church, and he was a Presbyterian, by the way, when church business meetings didn't always go well. I'm sure every church has had one of those where feelings got a little tense and words were shared. And he said he remembered growing up that in one of the business meetings where there was a man stood up in the business meeting and he raised his fist and he said, I want my rights, I want my rights. And he said there was an old Scotsman in the congregation who stood up and said, when our Lord Jesus walked this earth, he didn't get his rights, he got his wrongs. And the man lowered his head and apologized. You might say, you don't know what this person did or said. Well, it's not about the other person. It's about your heart being tuned to Christ. Listen to what Paul said. Romans chapter 12, verses 18 and 19. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, 
Be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved. But leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So Paul said, as far as it depends upon you. You might say, well, they never apologized to me. It's not about the other person. It's about your heart being tuned to Christ. And Paul said, as far as it depends upon you. And in the spirit of Christ, Paul said, if you want to bring this issue up before the world, if you want to roll up the rug and show everybody the dirt under the rug, why not just rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? A couple of weeks ago, I told you about the guy who mentored Brother Doug and a guy who's a friend of mine, Bruce Pruitt, Bob Jones at the Main Street Baptist Church in, in Hattiesburg. And he told my friend on one occasion, he said, sometimes a Christian minister to be the servant that the Lord wants him to be has to be a doormat. You have to just allow people to wipe their feet on you and walk off. And I'm sure Doug has had that experience, as have I. It's not always comfortable, but sometimes it solves a lot of problems, you know. You just leave that matter with the Lord. Well, Lord, you know what they said. You know what they did. You know what I did. You know my own heart. Let me make sure my own heart is tuned to you, and Lord, you tune their heart to you as we've sometimes prayed that the Lord would also strike them, by, strike them with lightning in the process. But uh, my heart, here's the last point. My heart is never more in tune with the Lord Jesus Christ than when I choose to forgive my brother. Paul reminds these Corinthians of what they were before they came to know Christ. And he said, but you were washed, you were justified, you were sanctified, you were forgiven. And Paul said in Ephesians, he said, Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. In Colossians 3.13, he wrote, Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Only one heart here today needs to be tuned to Christ my heart and your heart now will you allow the Lord to do that we started off this year with a goal of saying or I've tried to challenge you to have a goal of being a church after God's heart becoming a church after God's heart means that I must be a man after God's heart you must be men after God's heart and women after God's heart boys and girls and young people with a passion to be what God wants you to be because the greatest desire of your life is to walk in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. How has Jesus Christ treated you? Then with that same grace and with that same mercy, treat others. Let's pray.